You're listening to the Christian Indie Artists and Songwriters Podcast, the place where faith, music, and life intersect. We exist to help Christian indie artists and songwriters just like you get songs heard. All right, I'm here with my friend Micah McCaw coming to us live from Oregon. How are you doing tonight, Micah? I'm doing lovely tonight. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, we just discovered that we are literally on the opposite side of the country. Literally, probably almost couldn't be further away from each other unless we were like in Alaska. But, you know, that's amazing that we are connected and we are here tonight. With that in mind, like how did you kind of get into music? Where did your journey start as a Christian indie artist? I started way like I started playing guitar when I was seven because when I was very, very young, I heard uh, Elvis Presley's blue suede shoes on the radio. And I thought that is what I would like to do. (laughs) And then I kept on doing that, kept on playing. You know, I almost quit one time and that memory haunts me when I think about it. But um, as I got through high school, I joined this band called Seons and we were this indie rock band and we put out an album in. I think 2013, then I put out my first solo album in 2014, and ever since then I've been consistently uh, doing as much as I can in, in regards to whatever that may showcase itself as. But it's it's led up to this year that I released a, my second full-length album that I'm super excited and, and still still happy about, even though I can't do any touring off of it. <laughs> Has the the whole pandemic affected you as far as like touring and live shows and bands and stuff in general? Has that been a big hindrance for you? It it both has and it hasn't. And and right up front, I'll say I'm I'm very sympathetic to what is going on and how it's affecting people's lives. And I think it's horrible and it's pretty scary. I would say. Um, yeah. But I I was at this point where I was getting ready to play my release show and my bass player and drummer would not, they were not going to be able to tour mm. um, just because of work schedules and stuff. And so I was getting, frankly, very, very depressed. And I was mm. like, what am I going to do? Like, w- this isn't working. I, I don't know how to swing this. And then uh, literally March 13th, my album came out. And then March uh, what, 14, 15, March 16th, I believe, Kate Brown, our governor, said it's stay-at-home mandate. And so I had no shows booked. And so it has been nice, like, focusing on um, different aspects of music instead of touring. Although I purposely made the album to be performed live, so that's been kind of (laughs) strange. But yeah, what do you do, you know? Yeah, you just got to roll with it. So with that in mind, so that's interesting. So as far as creating it to be played live, like what do you mean by that exactly? Like what was your intentionality with that? I think my first album, if you were to listen to it, it's called Till Life Turns Over. And it is much more in the like singer songwriter realm, um, which I love and is a great, great genre. Um, But this album, I was just thinking, you know, I really would like to make a, a rock record. I want to make something that is like, it's super fun to play live and I'm doing, you know, kind of crazy stuff on guitar and we can play loud and be wild. Um, awesome. That that was the the intent behind the album. And and some of the songs, not all of them, but a couple of them were a little older and they they had been performed live. And when played live, uh, they would they would get a response from the audience that was exciting. So I wanted to kind of play on that and make it like, what if every song was that? Hmm. Yeah, cool. So like what are some influences 
for you personally, but then also like behind the album? Because for some reason, I keep thinking like John Mark McMillan keeps coming to mind. So is it any like what what kind of sound would you describe this this project as? I would say more actually in line with um, Mute Math was a huge influence oh, man, on the awesome. album. Cool. Um, a couple of songs have some Radiohead-esque kind of material on them. Okay. I, everybody says that though, but I mean, yeah. that was the sound we were looking for. Switchfoot's like my all-time favorite band, so that's definitely in there. Oh, there there is a, a bit of a Sufjan Stevensy kind of vibe as well. Cool. Well, that's awesome. So you you kind of grew up the, the Elvis Presley blue suede shoes sort of started it for you, and then it sounds like you just dug into guitar, and then that kind of led you into just just recording and 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 doing that thing and then you came into an album this year so that kind of brings us into like now but what what's something kind of along your journey that's that kind of brought you into wanting to do this to kind of taking it from your love of guitar and playing guitar to kind of making it more of like a, a focus for you to where you're like hey i really want to do this i really want to make this this work so what was kind of some steps on your journey that brought you to that point oh man that is actually a tricky question because i can't <laughs> I can't really recall not wanting to do it. I mean, I would say mostly because of Jurassic Park and Indiana Jones. I did have a stint when I was very, very young that I wanted to be a paleontologist, but that didn't last super long. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think just continuing to learn about guitar slowly, you know, playing it like talent shows at school and stuff like that and, and kind of, you know, getting the itch from that and then, also going from that to playing in this band when I was in high school and we played when I got out of high school as well. It it all just kind of kept fueling it and fueling it. And it it just, it was a matter of like the dream becoming more and more uh, Mm. realistic instead of, you know, when I was a kid, it was like, Oh yeah, for sure. I'm going to be like selling out stadiums, (laughs) you know, that's like what you always think because you don't know anything about music at the time. And then the, the older you get, the more it's like, well, that's not, that's not even something I necessarily want anymore, you know? Yeah. So talk about that a little bit, like going from that, you know, the dream where like you, an A&R is going to walk by and hear you playing in your room and be like, Hey, you're the guy we've been looking for our whole lives. <laughs> yeah. like, that's what we all think. That's the dream, you know? But like, so how have you kind of navigated that as you've had some experiences and like, as far as like, what does that look like? Because that's a really cool, um, I think window into, you know, you actually pursuing this thing like rock band and doing it now, but with, I don't want to say this in a bad way, but more of like a realistic view, like how, how have you kind of navigated that? Like what are the, some things you've done strategies you've done to kind of keep that going? Oh yeah. This I would say is the constant, constant struggle and battle. And and, you know, Oh, this might be a long answer. So I hope hope you're strapped in. I'm ready, man. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And, and not to be like too plug heavy or anything, but I do have a song on my new album called Talk Louder. And it is about this very thing we're discussing where the first verse I'm talking about how I would like to be successful and I'd like to have money and have a house and do all of these things. And then the second verse I go, but wasn't Jesus poor? Why do I pray for more? Like, why mm. am I so concerned about the that stuff? And and the the song ends on a resolve of like, I I don't understand even what I'm trying to tell myself to do. So I just want you to talk louder than me so that mm. I can hear what you want from me. 
So all of that to say, it, it is a constant struggle because when you grow up, I'm 26, so I grew up kind of as the record label was already kind of dying, um, and before the streaming boom is now where it's at. I, I think the expectation does have to change because it, it isn't, and I don't know if it ever was this way, but it, it, it isn't that thing you described where someone like hears you and they're like, I got it. This is the kid. We've been searching for him forever. And we're going to give him $2 million to make an album. It's like, no, I have to figure out how to make an album with like no money (laughs) or with like a couple thousand dollars. I'm thinking about this a lot. Actually, this week, this is just such a huge topic, but I love it. Yeah, me too, man. I'm excited to hear, you know, your thoughts since you're you're really doing this. So this is great. So this is a, a maybe a good analogy. We'll see yeah, yesterday was my wife and I's anniversary. Oh, happy anniversary. Thank you. And we got a nice bottle of wine, and it was by Francis Ford Coppola. And he, if you don't know, is the guy who directed The Godfather and The Godfather 2 and The Godfather 3, Apocalypse mm-hmm. Now, a legend. Legend. And I was, I was looking at the bottle of wine, and I'm like, here's a guy who's directed, some, some would argue, the greatest movies ever made. So he's like done the world's version of success instead of continuing to make movies. And I I don't know his life story. Maybe he's not able to do that right now, but he's he's making wine. So he found like a new passion that he really likes. And I, I was just thinking about that. It's like we put so much stock into getting to like X place. And even the people who are at that spot, they're like, oh, yeah, I'm already here, but I'm kind of done with this or I actually enjoyed the climb rather than this actual pinnacle that I'm at. Hmm. I, I don't know if that's eloquent, but I've just that's been playing in my mind. The fulfillment comes from the doing, not where it puts you monetarily or like how many Instagram fans or followers you have. That that's not the thing that gives you fulfillment. I don't yeah, think. Man. No, that's good. I've been thinking about that. I was talking about my wife as well. And like, it's almost the kind of thing where like things seem more appealing sometimes when you're not too close to it. It's like the allure of the unknown in a way. Yeah. You know, everybody kind of wants that, like the rock star dream because, you know, that's like the big house and, you know, all the, all the cliches and things. But I feel like when you get too close to something or actually get that thing, then you're like, you see it for what it really is. And you're like, Oh, this is not nearly what I thought it was. So it's like, there's like a safety and distance sometimes, which that's the journey, right? Is like kind of trying to move towards it. But just like, that's a great analogy with the Francis, uh, that, that bottle of wine, because like, you know, he might've had a passion for all we know, he could have been passionate about wine long before directing movies. And (laughs) the movies is what actually financed him to be able to do that. Cause he probably like owns a vineyard or something at this point, you know? So like, that's really cool that his passion kind of came around later, but it wasn't the thing that we would necessarily think. So what are some strategies and things that you've been kind of putting into, into practice to kind of keep that excitement going on this sort of like modified version of like what you initially kind of were after, if that makes sense? Yeah. Um, I, I, I think there is an element of I, I can be fairly one-tracked mind. So sometimes I even need to kind of pull back because I might go, oh, I'm going to do, say, I, I don't know, I, I, I cover the song or something. And I do it or I'm working on it and then I'm listening to it and I'm going, 
I just did this to do something. I, I'm not actually passionate about what I did. Mm. Mm. Um, so I don't think that answers your question, but that is something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's it's the passion is the the fuel, right? Yeah. For, for it all. And like, I feel like, I don't know, this is not necessarily like biblically sound. I mean, I think it is, but I feel like, like what is passion? Like what it's some internal thing that gasses us up, makes us feel like alive. So I have to think that that is God given because what else could it be like? And, and beyond even deeper than that, I feel like that is the thing that, that pushes us into our calling and why we're actually here because like we all have different passions. I mean, some of us are the same, but even, even if they're the same lane, like there's still maybe a different side of it. So like, I think chasing the passion aspect, if if we put it through the right lens, like really that's what's bringing us closer to God. Because when we yeah. feel like, like when you're, when you're doing something that you really love, like you are super excited about it and no one has to be around you to, to feel that excitement. You know, it's like, it just like lights your soul up, you know? So I have to think that that's the kind of thing that, that God has in us to keep us moving towards, uh, him in our calling and ultimately sharing his goodness through whatever that spark is. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I haven't actually talked too much about the, the faith aspect, but, but there is, there is definitely, you know, I pray about it all the time. Um, that it's that kind of like, you know, I pray that I can be successful, that I could, um, you know, get to a point where, I could support my family and um, like it would only be music or just art in general. Mm-hmm. Some, you know, in that realm. Um, but, you know, I hate to say it, but your will be done, not mine. You know, it's like it's like <laughs> I don't even want to say that part of the prayer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's always the but at the end, like, ah, yeah, because like- you, you do see God moving and and sometimes you might have i mean i can't think of any examples right now but maybe you have a show and someone talks to you afterward and you have a really meaningful connection or you have like you you talk about some interesting stuff about faith or something and if you were in a stadium playing to millions of you know hundreds of thousands of people maybe you would not be able to connect with this person we we don't have the zoom out lens that God does, and we don't know just being faithful to the kingdom what that does. We we don't see the ripple effects necessarily, and we have to kind of accept that. Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, we are in the forest. We can't help it because we get things in such small doses every day. You know, we may not have anything significant, seemingly significant, happen, but in the grand scheme, the narrative of our whole lives, like there's so many things that like impact the world for God. So that's, that's the thing. It's like, you said, that's a great example of like, you might play a show and the show might've like sucked, you know, like, Oh man, <laughs> yeah. I was sick or whatever, you know, but then you talk to somebody and have a real conversation. It's like, man, like that, that was a whole, that's a part of why we're even doing this in the first place, you know? Yeah. So it's like God does those things to kind of, I think stoke the passion, you know? I, I think something that, that pops into my head a lot and I'm just going to, and this is probably not my thought. Uh, I don't think I'm smart enough to think this thought. I often think, what 
what is what what is the possibility that God is protecting me from something that I would not be able to handle if I was at those levels that I think I should be at? Hmm. Like maybe, um, maybe I would be susceptible to becoming a drug addict under the pressure. And I don't know that about myself now because I'm not in that situation. And it seems easy to say, no, I don't want to have drugs right now. But maybe when I have a pressure of all of this craziness, when you are at a higher level, maybe I'm the kind of person that would buckle. And I just have no idea that I'm that kind of person. Or yeah, maybe it'd rip apart my marriage. And that's not worth it. Right, man. That's so true because unfortunately, like that is a extremely common story. You know, people people get to these crazy heights that like so many people kind of covet and want. And then like you just hear, I mean, honestly, most of the time, unfortunately, you hear like their life kind of falls apart. They their their marriage ends or something happens. Makes you wonder, like, is it natural for man to even get to that level? Because it doesn't seem to go well. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, I don't think we are cut out mentally as humans to do that. Yeah, not not to that like God, God like when people look at you as as if you're God because you're so. And the thing is, it's silly because it's it's all about like your pop songs. Like that doesn't right. make you like a God among men. <laughs> like right, it's just, right. It's just music or fashion or something. It's so silly. Or even like we talked about like making movies and something like that. That's just a skill, you know. And a lot of people enjoy that because I've heard like the amount of success you have in your life is directly correlated to the amount of people that you like uh, impact or influence. Like, so really success, of course, I mean, I would definitely say that that would be a worldly definition of success in most cases, but like, you know, your, your audience, essentially your audience determines the amount of success you have. And that's just, it's just a matter of like mere numbers. Like, you know, that's why all the songs that, that are terrible, they're on the radio. They're still hits because they just have such a huge, if 500,000 people or not even that, 10 million people hear a song and only half of them like it, that's still 5 million people, you know? <laughs> yeah. So like, so like the, but for us, you know, we may never even get to have that many people hear our music. So like the sphere of influence is just different, it's just a different scale. But man, I think that that's really important. And I'm glad that you kind of brought that up that the idea that like, you know, ultimately like God, if we are doing this for God, you know, which this podcast is called the Christian Indie Artists and Songwriters. So we are doing that for God. Like it's those moments, those conversations with those people after a show or after, you know, or a a DM message on social media that, that, that is actually kingdom building more. So, I mean, it it all, I mean, it's all a matter of the heart, right? I mean, you can have a hundred thousand followers on Facebook and still be a, an amazing Christian, you know, it's just, it's just a matter of the heart, but keeping those things in perspective, I think is really, really good. So I'm, I'm super glad you brought that up, man. And for any of the, the fellow musicians, this, these are things that I think about and then I immediately forget for several weeks and get very depressed <laughs> about music. So yeah. uh, <laughs> it's, it's not pursuit. like, yeah, yeah. It's not like, oh, it's fixed. Like for example, right now I'm in a, I'm in a place where like the past couple of weeks I've, I've felt pretty, I'm fulfilled with my artistic endeavors and it's, Mm. I've been having a, a really joyful time. Um, but I mean, earlier this year I was like, maybe this should be the hanging up of the hat because it just doesn't Mm. seem to be going anywhere because I, I can't see the, the roots that are going places, you know, they're under the ground. So yeah, it kind of goes, 
it just kind of goes both ways. Like one of the pivotal equations I say for our business is patience plus perseverance equals success. And I just feel like it's the ability to be okay with the waiting and persevere through it because we definitely, it sometimes it's so much easier to just stop, you know, cause then you wonder yeah. like, would anyone even notice if I stopped? Like that's where <laughs> yeah. it gets kind of dangerous, you know? But I think that if we're doing it for God and of course not even in a cliche way, but like if we're doing it for God, like really doing it for God, then like that has to be enough. And the rest of it will ebb and flow because we're human, we're emotional beings. So, you know, it's, it can get tough, but like, I think doing it for God is enough because that if the passion's there, I mean, I don't know if it's the same for you, but I'm assuming it is like, it doesn't really matter if you're doing it or not. You still think about it. You still want to do it. And it still makes you feel like you're actually alive when you do it. And I don't think that'll ever kind of go. I don't think that dries up if it's a real passion from the Lord. One thing I, I always like to ask people too, is like, any of advice you'd give to the younger Micah, you know, or even, I mean, I know we kind of covered a lot of stuff here, which, which is great, but like, what's something that you'd tell your younger self, maybe as, as you're kind of going through those, maybe those tougher seasons or, or whatever it might be that, that just could encourage our audience and just in general, like your younger self, man. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think I would probably tell myself the fulfillment and the joy is in the doing and mm. and that feeling of accomplishment. You you don't know where it's going to go and and be okay to change your expectations, I guess. Because th- there is that side of my brain sometimes when I go uh, you know, maybe I wanted, you know, this goal to happen, goal A, and I don't even get close to goal A. And so mm. I think, "Oh man, my expectations should be different." And then I feel guilty like, "Well, but you got to work harder and stuff." And sometimes Sometimes you just, you don't have control over all of your circumstances and it's okay to be like, I still would like goal A, but I can, I, I hate to use the word settle cause that's not what I mean. I don't even know where I'm going with this, but I, I, I just think there, there's room to, to change your perspective, I guess, on, on what you're doing. Because the, you know, the other thing I think about, and I, I, I guess I've kind of abandoned my younger self. I've just left him over there and he doesn't know what I'm talking about anymore. <laughs> He's just practicing blue suede shoes right now. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. But I went on this tour with my band Seons in 2016 and me and my best friend, like we, well, they were my best, all of them were my best friends, but the guy who became the best man at my wedding and all that. Him and I, we booked almost all of the shows. It was all across the U.S. We made it all the way to the East Coast, and we came back, and it was not as big of a tour as Switchfoot would go on. It was totally DIY. Mm -hmm. We did the best we can, and I look back at that tour, and those are some of the fondest memories I have, and I don't know if I will ever have as fond of memories as those. And yet, Mm. it was not the to go back to what I was saying, the, uh, the, the a goal was not the goal I was trying to reach. It was, it was much lower than that goal in terms of like how the world would see it. And yet I cherish that so much. And if I could do it again in a heartbeat, I would do it. Wow. It's like the, the word that came to mind is like being flexible in, in the calling, you know, like it's, yeah, I like that. it's not going to go. And the thing that's something that I've definitely worked through a lot too, is like, if it goes exactly the way that we think it will, then that means God has nothing to do with it. 
because that's just what Ooh, our yeah. mind dreamed up and what we like muscled our way into. So honestly, like, even though it's a really difficult discipline, like I, I look forward to things not going the way I want them to, because that means that God is probably doing something much better. And like, like you said, like from the world's point of view, you know, you probably didn't walk away with a hundred thousand dollars from your tour, but you walked <laughs> away with literal memories that you will cherish for the rest of your life, which is way better than money. Because I've always, <laughs> I've always heard it said, like when people are on their deathbed, they don't wish for more money. They wish for more time. Yeah. And, and the memories are what fills that time. So like, those are the things that actually matter. And the ministry that you guys did on that tour was probably amazing. And that's why it's so pivotal to you and your journey. And probably one of those things that keeps you moving forward because, because it was so great. So that's awesome, man. Yeah. You know, b- definitely before we go, I want people, I want you to just tell people like, what's the best way that they can connect with you? What social media sites are your, are your jam or website or any, anything you want people to check out? I mean, I'll link it all in the notes and stuff, but okay, just, just cool. let them hear from you. Yeah. Yeah. If you like indie rock or if you like a person who just rants about movies all the time, I think I'm your guy. Uh, you can follow me uh, on on Instagram at out underscore of underscore Micah out of Micah. Um, I'm also on Facebook as my name. I'm I'm more I'm most active on um, Instagram, and I I have a Twitter as well. But again, most active on Instagram, and then. Yeah, listen to my my newest album. It's called Imbalances. It's on all of the things. It's my name is the artist name, and then the the album's called Imbalances. And uh, if, if you do listen to it, I would love to hear from you. Um, it would be cool to know, like, oh, I was listening to Brian's podcast and I found you. I mean, that would be that would be awesome. Um, yeah. And and also finally, if I'm gonna be extra pluggy, I do, do have a movie podcast called the Macaw Podcast Universe, and we cover film franchises. And if you like that, you should listen to it. Well, I'm gonna listen to it for sure because <laughs> I need to learn more. I love movies. I don't watch them as much as I want to these days, but I am a fan, so I'm gonna check it out for sure. So I hope that anyone listening does too. And uh yeah. And, and last thing, too, is I always like to pray over guests because I think that's important. So, uh, God, thank you so much for Micah. Thank you so much for him sharing his heart and being vulnerable. And just this is a great conversation about about you. And, and um, we just thank you for the provision and the creativity and the motivation and the grit that you've put in him to continue to chase after this this music dream, even even if it's changed shape over time. God, we just pray for extra motivation and inspiration again that just fills him up with the things that he's doing and let him recognize you along the way. And like he said so uh, intelligently that, you know, the journey is is really the joy is found in the journey. It's not really the arrival. It's it's more about the steps that it takes to get there. So as he continues to do that, God, just lead and guide every step. Let him see you on the journey, Lord. And uh, we just thank you for him and just bless him and his wife as they just celebrated the anniversary. Just uh, let them have an, an awesome, the best year of marriage yet, God. We just thank you for all these things. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. We want to help reach as many Christian indie artists and songwriters as possible. And one way we can do that is with your help. So if you could take a minute and leave us a review on iTunes, that would be so appreciated. This is how the iTunes algorithm will push this content out to more and more Christian indie artists and songwriters. So like I said, if you could just take a couple seconds, leave us a review, that would be so awesome. It means so much to us and we would really appreciate it.